everybody. Welcome to the Three States of Sound. As always, I am joined by Derek out in Michigan, Josh in Arkansas. Howdy. Hope you guys are all doing well. <laughs> Hello. And well, I am in the state of Montana. It's cold out here. It's starting to snow a little bit. Um, sweet. Yeah. Sledding soon because I don't ski and I don't snowboard because I'll break something. I know I will. I'm an old man. Anyway, how you guys doing? We just uh, we were having a little pre, pre-show conversation about uh, the happenings in the world, a little bit about the, the election. We will not get into the election this episode, but we will likely uh, be recording an episode very soon uh, that mixes a little bit of politics and music, something that we, I know we've done in the past, and we certainly enjoy having those conversations, and we hope to make you guys a part of those conversations as well, sort of get your feedback on, on what's going on and understanding uh, of what's happening in the country and how it's affecting all of you. We, again, we hope you guys are doing well. This evening, we are going to talk about album art and album covers, of course, with this resurgence of vinyl purchasing and, and vinyl records in this country. It seems, it seems uh, more, um, more likely that the, the people who are who are shopping for music are also taking a very close look at the, at the art on these uh, on these album covers, and we're going to talk about some of our favorites and sort of how they've affected us, and even some art that that prompted our our buying choices. Before that, how are you guys doing out there? All going well? Oh yeah, I'm doing good. I have beer in hand, so things are nice. good. Nice. And what beer is that? What beer are you drinking tonight? Oh, this is uh, this is uh, New Holland's Dragon's Milk. World famous. <laughs> mm. World famous Dragon's Milk. Do you suckle from the teat of a giant lizard? Yes. <laughs> Me too, but not for beer. This is for sustenance. <laughs> same. Uh, same thing. Sorry. Sorry for the wizard voice. It just it's kind of a a thing that happens. You know. It woke like, me up. Yeah, I didn't get to play D and D as a kid because I didn't have real friends. Uh, so oftentimes, I would just walk around in the forest uh, and pretend, like, I, like solo LARPing is probably the like lamest thing um, that you can do. I did it a lot, and it was fun. What's LARPing? Uh, live action role playing, <laughs> John. Oh. <laughs> I just got a dirty look. Yeah, yeah, because you're dumb if you don't know what LARPing is. Um, I- I had too many friends. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, cool kids, Southern California. Oh, look at me. I'm in California. I'm so cool. Meanwhile, I'm out like trying to befriend a turtle in, uh, <laughs> in Western Arkansas, just hoping someday I have a real friend. But yeah, I made a few. Many. I made a few. They were cool. And a lot of them were artists. So there you go. And, we'll get into and, that, yeah. and you did it your way. That's right. Yeah. You know, people think uh, it's New York. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. If you can make it on uh, 10 rural acres outside of Greenwood, Arkansas, and you can make it from there, that's, that's, that's an achievement. I mean, New York has all the museums and there's like Wall Street. It's like, if you can't make it in New York, like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like, you try to, like, you know, I know how to shoot a gun and catch a catfish. But I also know how to project for quarterly estimates. So, jokes on you, New York. <laughs> Have you gotten your noodling down? 
Hell yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Ramen noodles. Um, <laughs> I've, I've actually never noodle fished. It's, uh, it's illegal in a lot of places, uh, down here. Uh, yeah. I think it's something like fisting mouths of animals. Uh, oh God! Just uh, frowned upon, right? They want you to they want you to tie a a heavy line to a milk jug and throw some stink bait on it in the creek and catch a catch a catfish like a real man, you know? Like this wow. ain't a wrestling match. Get your ass out the mud, Cletus. Get a wow. pole. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> We gotta like speed up this conversation because you, your, your, your gift with the word this evening is 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 quite amazing. So we need you to get more of this out because about halfway through you're gonna start to you're gonna start to get a little tired and it's gonna fall off. So well, I'm just gonna let drink, Josh talk for the next twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Uh, my drink in hand is actually my my old standby of Diet Mountain Dew and Sailor Jerry's rum. Uh, hey. I mean, it's hella white trashy. I'm not even gonna lie, but this is good. Like Derek, I would like for you to try this, you know, with your with your expert palate, and just tell me how good it really is, or how bad it really is. <laughs> like what I'm missing out on. <laughs> Maybe it's just like my my lack of experimenting with uh, with decent drinks uh, is, is you know, it's making it cheap. For me. I, like that. I don't think it's gonna make it on Derek's Instagram anytime soon. <laughs> Maybe it's no, Insta. Maybe. All right. And I am not, I am not drinking this evening. I'm just drinking some juice and water, uh, but I am, but I am growing my Mexa beard back, which is almost like drinking. It's very harsh and stubbly and manly. It's not at all. This no, is it looks good. It looks good. Two, this is about two years growth. <laughs> no. Wow. <laughs> Oh my God. All right. So, Hey guys, uh, let's get this train back on the tracks. Uh, here we go. Um, so what have you guys been spinning this week? What is in your heavy rotation? What do you want to tell the listeners about that you love so much? Do you want me to start? I'll start. Yeah, you go ahead and start. Since I opened my mouth. All right. So this week, I have been listening to an album that I picked up a couple of weeks ago. I think I mentioned to a few people, but um, somebody from the, from the Rhyme Sayers group, uh, Sirach, I don't know if you guys have heard this, Sharecropper's Daughter. It is excellent. It's a great, great album. Highly recommend it. Um, spend some time with it. There's a lot in there. It's a, it's a very, very good album. So if you get a chance. What kind of music up, is that? It is the hip hop. It's an interesting. It's it's an interesting sort of sort of a um, a, a description uh, that that I've seen floating around. It's like <laughs> people have described it as like hip hop for adults, like something like 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 sophisticated hip hop. Um, I don't quite understand what that means. I, I, I don't get it. I guess it just means that. I mean, her 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 lyrics are very are very are sort of very poignant and very. Um, very uh, uh very personal so there's a lot in there the music's really the, the music's really good just give it a chance yeah no i mean um we're on a video chat right now recording this and john was just holding it up and it's uh it's a cool album cover it is um, like girl standing out in a field with a cool hat like 
I don't know. You know, it's a, I, I wouldn't necessarily think that was a hip hop album. Just looking at it, you know, maybe soul yep. R and B, like soul Mumford and Sons. No, I don't know. Uh, my second album uh, is uh, this Talking Heads. More music about buildings and food and i always mix up i always say food and buildings sometimes i say buildings and food it's talking heads produced by brian eno great album actually just picked up this copy not that long ago either um i have a final and i and uh rhino's rocktober releases were were put out uh for october i think there were three titles that were dropped it's excellent it sounds great too so there you go. I'm sure you guys are all familiar with that album. Um, and then lastly, I actually picked this up used. I, I want to meet the person who decided to sell it and thank him that I was able to pick up. But it's David Bowie's Lodger. Of course, part of his the three-part Berlin trilogy um, produced by Ryan Eno. Ooh, look at that. Two albums produced by Ryan Eno. Uh, so yeah, The Lodger. This is, actually my, this is actually my favorite of the three. I, I, I enjoy Heroes. I enjoy low sometimes, um, but the lodger I, uh, I absolutely love. There you nice. Go. Yeah. That's my heavy rotation for the week. Awesome. Who's up? Who's up next? I'll go. I guess I, I can go. I Hit can it. Go. Do it. Um, I've been listening to, uh, I had a friend of mine who was actually asking for um, music recommendations. And of course, I always love to give my music uh, recommendations. But um, so I have been listening to, and this is one of my favorite um, albums. Um, a guy, uh, you may be familiar with him, Ali Farko Touré. He's from, he's, he's from Africa. And his album, The Source, um, absolutely a fantastic uh, album. Just amazing. Um, if you guys are familiar with him, he's a, he, they liken him to, uh, a blues player and yeah. in, 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 in a style of playing, but his, his guitar playing is just absolutely just amazing. And his voice is, is, is pretty, is pretty amazing also. Um, what part, what part of Africa is he one of like the Bedouin artists? I think he is from. I'm gonna find out. I used to know this, but um, let's, let's find out. Can't remember. That's why I like Spotify because you can go down to the bio and give you yeah. give yeah. you all kinds of stuff. Um, and then my second album that I've been listening to a lot. So there's been a lot of albums that I've been going back to, and uh, uh, Cole plays Russell Blood to the Head classic and just it's funny because when you start to uh you know i went back there was a song i heard clocks and then i saw i went back and heard the album and started it and then i I couldn't you you can't listen to just clocks (laughs) you have to listen to the whole thing so but uh but uh just a, a great a great album um and then we started talking about kings of leon and so that was, uh, I think it was their second album. What's the name of their second album? Um, oh, my God. 
Why did I do this to myself? With their second album, I, I like their first yeah. album great, but their second album I like even 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 better. Um, and then my other heavy rotation is Andrew Bird and his. It wasn't really an album, but he did a uh, a song called. Gosh, I'm drawing a blank today. <laughs> It's that uh, it's that beer you're drinking. What, what was it? Dragon's milk. Dragon's, Dragon's milk. milk. Yeah. If you ever go to the Josh, if you ever go to the brewery when you walk in, there's a giant dragon made out of metal that's right in the foyer, and Ooh. it's it's pretty awesome. I, I think I think you would uh I think you would appreciate that. I think I would worship it. Sounds like the kind of idol I'm into. Is the uh, I'll send you a picture of it. Is the Andrew uh, Bird song, uh, or is, is is the album the, the one that has fake palindromes on it? This is the one that has Pulaski at night, and it was just yeah. a basically. Uh, it wasn't even really in an album. It was basically just like an EP um, that they kind of released. Um, but um, yeah, and again, once you listen to it, it was for me. I mean. Andrew Bird is it's the whistling it's the guitar playing and it's uh, it's his his voice and uh he's just an amazing artist everyone Very should true. own should own some of his 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 work are you serious was his uh was is today my favorite album by him and then his most recent album was my finest work yet which are both really good hmm. um but um which is, actually, which is actually a, a cool a cool album later on i'll run downstairs and get it and it's i don't know if you guys have that album or not but it is is pretty good i don't think i have um, that one the kings of leon album is aha shake heartbreak mm. yeah the second one is that, is, yeah. is, 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 is yes. that the one you were talking about kings of leon yes yeah. yes yeah so that's, that's, a, that's my that's my rotation this week nice very cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, oh, wait. I was just gonna make just a really quick comment about um, about Coldplay. I know that that like that, like people go back and forth. There's like there, I'm gonna, it sounds silly or pretentious to say like the great debate about Coldplay. <laughs> um, but 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 I will say I, I I am one of the people that that sort of dropped off after uh, a rush of blood to the head. That's the second album, right? Perish. Second album. was first album. It was the first album. Okay, um, and I kind of jumped off after that, and that's because, and and, and that's only because, um, you know, foolishly, I, I I sometimes get into a place where I'm like, this feels too much like a formula, and then I just kind of stop out of just just lack of interest. Not that I feel like that the that the music isn't good. It's just. I feel like it becomes a little form, uh, formulaic, but that's kind of silly on my part because I have no idea. I think I just end up hearing a single off of a new album and assume, well, that sounds familiar. Well, of course it sounds familiar. It's a single. That's why it's usually released as a single, but I should probably give those later albums an opportunity. I think people, it's a, I think it's just, for me, it's like we all have a little bit of a hipster in us. And it's like, as soon as we like them when they're obscure and it's whatever, and then when it gets popular, we're like, ah, oh, it's not cool anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. so everyone likes them now. So I have to be, I have to be anti 
that thing that I used to like when no one really liked them, and they were kind of obscure. So, yeah, that's yeah. the that's, that's the the thin line that you have to ride as a music fan. Uh, but I agree with you, John. I kind of fell off. Uh, I mean, I still bought their third album, which I can't remember what it is. And, you know, I, I, I give it a try, but I just kind of more forgot about them. You know, like I thought Parachutes was so great. Like I was super into that one. Thought a Rush of the Blood to Head, Rush of Blood to the Head was also fantastic, but it was starting to get, I don't know if produced is the right word, but it was just starting to get a little more clean, right? Mm, and yeah. and the rhythms and, you know, the drum beat, it started becoming more like U2 of that time, sure. right? Yeah. And then it just kind of continued on to that. So I think it's... Uh, it's not taking anything away from the music uh, or that they weren't putting their passion into it. It's just it evolved away from what I'm really more into. I, I, I typically like things that are more raw uh, and less produced um, than, than more overly produced uh, things that are like polished and, and perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that is a great, you know, we are going to talk about, we're going to dedicate an episode to producers uh, and yeah. production and the story of production very soon. Uh, but that's an interesting point. And one album I want us to remember to come back to, if we, if we get a chance, I don't want to forget is guided by voices do the collapse, which was produced by Rick Ocasek. And anybody who's a guided by voices fan knows that, you know, most of their stuff up to that point was very lo-fi. It was very raw. And then Rick Ocasek came in and gave it that sort of <laughs> that cars, Rick Ocasek sound, which was very polarizing. You know, it's some like for me, I, I loved it. I loved the fact that like he was brave enough to go to say like, I'm going to take my perfectly crafted pop songs that I've written over and over again and add some really excellent production value to it and, and, and see what that end product looks like. And I thought it sounded great for some people though. They just can't listen to that album at all. It's just, it's too clean. Yeah. That's, well, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll dive into all the production stuff because it really is amazing how much influence a producer can have on an artist and on an album. And even if it, you know, all the elements can be the same, you know, they have the same ingredients, but it's how you mix them together. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, can totally change the flavor. Yep. Well, it's kind of like, you know, it's like kind of when Bob Dylan went electric. I mean, yeah. that was a, that was a big thing. I mean, he lost fans. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's mm -hmm. people that, that felt like he was, that he betrayed, you know, some, you know, his, his roots or whatever, but uh, it, it was just such a huge huge thing that simple shift still sounded the same still was a great guitar player but he did he went electric and it wasn't the same anymore yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, there's so many, and there's so many examples of that uh throughout music we could probably sit here and talk about you know the first albums of, of artists and, and and how they evolved from metallica to uh to rolling stones to just about any artist out there today that's had any kind of longevity in the game, they're going to evolve. And some people think artists are trying too hard. You know, I uh, remember MGMT when they came out and that, I think that <laughs> their second, their, their first album was so, was so huge. And then they tried something different and they just, people were like, no, you can't right. do that. And, you know, it was just, it's just so strange. It's, it's such a strange uh, a phenomenon how 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 people uh, 
seem to expect and want to kind of expect the same thing from artists. And then when they kind of go against that, then it's, it's no good anymore or they're not being, yeah. they're not being yeah. true to whatever they started out to be, which is a, kind of an interesting uh, conversation to have. Yeah. yeah well, we will get into that uh, next week. Or next, next month, week. whenever we yeah, do this, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, it should it should be next week. That would be awesome. Should be next. Yeah, we'll we'll try. We'll we'll, we'll get consistent someday. Uh, so my heavy rotation uh, is uh, I I haven't I've been really busy at work and so I haven't spent the time uh, as Derek generally does of uh, diving into the new stuff. So I've been retreating back when I have five minutes to you know, take a little bit of a mental break from work. I go outside and, and uh, really loving this time capsule playlist feature that Spotify automatically does for me. Uh, Cause it's, it's pretty much just like my greatest hits with a few little things thrown in there. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's always a good list that I can choose. Um, <laughs> so one that, that popped up in there was Travis Tritt. And uh, <laughs> wait, why y'all laughing? Of course. Of course. I, I, it's you, so it's like that's so that's <laughs> so, so appropriate. Oh man, well his song "Anymore," you know, it's a little a little guitar love song, country song, you know, very very heartfelt. Uh, but what I love about it, and I don't, we may have mentioned this before, but uh, the music videos for that era of Travis Tritt, I think he was really trying to break into acting because they were just like melodramatic, like his. Uh, his he was in a wheelchair. His best friend, you know, was a old black guy, and then his wife dies on a boating accident. You know, so it's just like all these like tear jerking uh, after school special type uh, narratives. But he was selling it hard, and that song, uh, a it's just simple and sweet and really fun, and it kind of plays on, you know, the country tropes of, uh, you know, double meanings on words and things like that so anymore my travis Tritt, go check it out uh then white zombie thunder kiss 65 uh from la sexorcista devil music volume one uh i don't know if you guys are much white zombie fans but uh it's kind of a good transition going into our our art based conversation here because white zombie was actually an art band from New York, like they went to art school and everything like that. And so it was just kind of this campy horror, you know, punk rock, hard rock, you know, performance art that kind of evolved. And you talk again about producing and, and music evolving to being a little more standardized each time. Uh, but White Zombies, Les Exorcista Devil Music Volume 1, is it, it, it's that perfect line of campy, horror lyrics and hard rock and uh you know thunder kiss 65 has just this like guitar solo you know slide that's going around the whole song uh really driving beat and it always just puts me in a good mood uh and then the the third song i'll put from a heavy rotation is one of the best classic rock songs in my opinion as american girl by tom petty uh you know, it starts off with just that, that D chord and droning out and then it builds up and it's got that drum beat that, uh, you know, the strokes totally ripped off from uh, last <laughs> night. And uh, it's just, 
it's a fun song. And, and one of the reasons I love it is uh, I play it for my daughter a lot when she's over here and she loves it when I try to hit the high notes. Uh, <laughs> so it's a lot of fun and it's really good if you have a buddy over and you're trying to do the make it last all night, like, you know, uh, duetting on that part. Uh, it's always tricky because if you're singing and playing, it's, 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 it's odd because when you're singing along with the radio, you just want to do the second make it last all night. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, American girl, such a, such a good song, but yeah, that's my heavy rotation. Just pretty that's much beautiful. FM radio. Oh, I want to throw in this song, uh, that I, that I kind of discovered. It was kind of, it's kind of cool. Uh, you guys know, every, most people know that I'm a, I'm a cure fan. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I ran into, I'm kind of digging, uh, I always love covers. I love when people can, uh, can take a song. And this, this, this lady, her name is Kat Edmondson. And she did a kind of, uh, kind of a jazz version of Just Like Heaven. Pretty amazing. Uh, her, her voice is pretty spectacular, but how they did the arrangement and, 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 and her phrasing of the song, she totally, like most covers, they're, they're pretty close to the same as far as the phrasing and kind of how they deliver it. But she totally kind of switched this one up. And I, I really, 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 uh, I'm going to put it on the playlist for, uh, for this episode. Very interesting. I, nice. I think, I think you guys would find it very likable. Yeah. Ooh. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I know, John, you would love it because I know that you're a jazz head also. Damn. And uh, and I think, I think Josh, I think you would love it because you just, you just like anything that's kind of unexpected and kind of, you know, off the beaten. <laughs> I like things that are just a little off. Yeah. Like and my it, milk, it, it, I like it when it's like three days past the date. It's just a little off. Like it's a little just, off. yeah, it's better. A little off. Yeah. <laughs> chunky. I like my music like my milk. Just chunky. When the coneheads like the coneheads like their their milk. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I've never actually watched that movie. Uh, yeah. Speaking of back. unexpected album covers. Album art. Have you ever picked up an album and just wondered what's inside there, what what that music is inside there, and just bought an album specifically off the artwork and then got home and been surprised by what you hear or just weren't expecting it? Has that ever happened to you guys? I can think of a a couple of times that I've I've taken that chance to just buy something and, and just not know what it sounded like. Is there... Is there, is there one that maybe you can, you can recall? Yeah, for me, like it was actually a um, fairly pivotal moment in my musical journey. But, uh, you know, back in, in high school, I was maybe 15 or 16, uh, still very much in the church. And, uh, but I loved punk rock or, you know, you know, grunge things that were out. And I was at the Walmart <laughs> And uh, I saw this tape that had uh, like a cartoon character of a little punk punk rock guy with you know spiky hair, and it was MXPX poking at your punk. And I was like, I don't know, what is this? You know, never heard of this. It looks weird. You know, uh, 
uh, cartoon punk guy, but I was like, eh, I got an extra eight bucks working at the Mazio's Pizza. Let's let's buy this thing. And so I bought it, and uh, it's you know pop punk type stuff, not really the hardcore, but it was on. They were on a, a Christian label, Tooth and Nail, uh, back in the day, and it was it was a little less polished and faster than the pop punk, you know, like a green day or whatever was out there. And, uh, and it just felt really cool because no one else had ever heard of this. You know what I mean? It wasn't on MTV. And then they had songs about Bremerton, which, you know, I'm like, what is that? And, you know, do a little research and, uh, you know, it's, just, Oh, it's a Seattle. So it's like, Oh, this is like a Seattle band, which me being a hardcore grunge person, I was like, Oh, this is like a different thing, but it already had that like air of, coolness and legitimacy because in my mind seattle was just a place where all cool people lived it only cool people lived um and and out of that i was like so thrilled with the discovery of 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 that music that they they would include like in the tape artwork and you know the, the liner there uh a little flyer that had all the other tooth and nail releases that you could just like order through the mail so me and my friends were like all right let's just order a bunch of these uh and and see what's good you know so we ordered like 90 pound wuss and the huntingtons and all these other like kind of pop punky bands uh from up there and you know so there was some more hardcore stuff like i don't know if it was the same label or if it just came through that but there was like no Innocent Victim was another like hardcore band uh, that we got through there. Project 86. Uh, and yeah, it just like opened our eyes to this, this whole kind of underground punk hardcore scene that we just had no access to in Oklahoma. And even though it was, you know, Christian music, like it, it was, uh, it was heavy, you know, some of it was really heavy. Some of it was really like nasty punk uh, you know, like low production value, which made it even cooler. Uh, and then that we found out that there was a venue, you know, a little over an hour and a half away that was a Christian punk venue in Claremore, Oklahoma, Claremore, Claremore. Uh, yeah, somewhere, somewhere outside of Tulsa that these tooth and nail bands would come and then, uh, yeah, there was another, another label but yeah so like all these christian hard rock punk bands would come in and we would go up there and see bands play and it was like the first time i was in like a real dangerous mosh pit um which you know i told you guys last time that i got stitches because of smash mouth but this one was like (laughs) (laughs) this was violent uh and it was just like all this like pent-up aggression but they're singing about jesus uh, so really weird time, but yeah, it came from just taking a chance on some little cartoon looking punk rock character at a tape at Walmart. Yeah. Good stuff. And I'm still a big MXPX fan. They're a great band. And they, they it was crazy because like maybe 10 years after I found them on that tape, um, they, they actually got pretty big and they played at the warp tour, uh, and everything and it had like songs on MTV and stuff. So it was really cool seeing them actually being able to make some money out of what they were doing. And they're still putting out music now. And uh Mike Herrera, the singer bass player, uh is like a just family dude, you know. 
I mean, all covered with tattoos and he looks really cool, but, uh, yeah, it's just like a, seems like a real nice guy. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. That's a story. Sticking to it. <laughs> How about you, Derek? Is there anything that stands out for you with, uh, um, something you just picked up? I was into, uh, I remember how I discovered Dead Can Dance. I was into like Color Box and this Color Box and this Mortal Coil. And this band, um, Dead Can Dance, they had an, they had an album um, that was, uh, and when I was in college, I discovered what the, I forget what it was now, but it was a famous uh, work of art that they actually had taken and used for their, for their uh for their album cover and it was this very kind of uh like very gothic lots of color and um so i just bought it and it was uh it's probably one of it's probably went on to be one of their their best albums ever i think i could be wrong um but <laughs> i don't think you're wrong <laughs> but uh let me uh geez i'm i'm having a hard time with names could be the could be the beer it could be the 11 percent apv that's uh got me over the edge here very well could be that dragon's <laughs> teat destroying your mind <laughs> oh man um but um are you guys familiar i'm sure you guys are familiar with dead can dance yeah, sure. yeah. I'm trying to remember which Dead Can Dance album I have. I, I'm so terrible with remembering names. This is an episode of just us forgetting shit. That's, yeah, that's uh, what it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is uh, the over 40 episode for sure. <laughs> um, man, you know what's funny is, is, is that, you know, I was, I was, pulling, I was pulling some albums off my... Off my shelf over there and uh thinking about album art and it occurred to me that i didn't pull one black flag album which i should have because there's many many stories about well a, a lot of the sst label releases um a lot of the artwork was done by by raymond pettibon uh greg Inn's brother but not just black flag but minutemen and, and some others um i don't know why i didn't pull that but i'll talk about it later sorry derek it's okay. The album was uh, was was Aeon. Aeon, okay. Yeah. So, great album. Lots of good stuff. Nice. Lots of good stuff. So yeah, that and I, and I'm sure there there's so many, but that was one that was so unusual because you you look at the artwork and it's got this really weird orangish kind of color to it, and there's a guy that's in a pumpkin that's cut out, and there's two individuals inside this bubble. And it's just some weird flower thing. And it's just a very kind of surreal looking album cover. And for some reason, because I'm, I'm strange, uh, I was drawn to that. And so I looked at it and I've, I, was, I was already familiar with 4AD, uh, the label. So I already liked their stuff anyway. So I just grabbed it. And then it was just like, there's nothing like Lisa Girard's uh, voice. And then Brendan Perry, they they kind of he has this very kind of kind of masculine kind of voice, almost like he's talking, versus 
he sings and he kind of talks and kind of a weird kind of a thing that he does. Um, but yeah, great album, great discovery. Glad I bought it and went on to, to kind of go and find more of their stuff. So that's my uh, album pick just based off of uh, the cover art. Nice. All right. What about you, John? Well, mine, um, it was, it was, it was something I took a chance on and I, it ended up sort of changing the course of, <laughs> it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I ended up kind of changing the course of my life, certainly my musical life. And so in, in, in the, in the early nineties, I, I got very lucky. It's, it's when I started buying a lot of, a lot of used vinyl. And at that time there were a lot of older, older, older people that were, were, were sort of flipping out their, their, um, their, uh, their vinyl for CDs. I mean, I mean, that was, that was the future of music. So a lot of audiophiles were, were getting rid of their vinyl. Um, and it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a gold mine for, for people my age that for some reason I was still, I was still drawn to it, even though CDs were, were dominating at the time. So I used to go to this old health club that was, that was shut down and, um, uh, and they turned into just a venue for, for various events. And they used to have a, a monthly record show. So these guys would bring out their, um, their collections and sell them a lot of times. Perfect, like perfectly uh, well-kept records for one and $2. Cause they thought that they were just obsolete and they were, there was no reason to keep them. So they were just getting rid of these, these collections. So I, 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 uh, I came across an aisle and I stopped at a box and I was flipping through it. I was flipping through it. And, um, this record was backwards and it's, this is the same copy that I, that, that I picked up that day. And, um, the record was backwards and, uh, I picked it up and, and, and this is all I saw. Now this is the, this is the songs of Leonard Cohen. And, um, I don't know. And, and I've, I've, I think I've looked it up and I think I've just decided I don't even want to know. I just want to keep this story in my head. But, um, so it's a, it's a, it's, it's a painting. It's, it's a photo, not a photo. It's, it's, it's a painting of, of a woman, uh, in chains, uh, sort of um emerging from from flames um with very very sort of um striking blue eyes uh, in this photo and i picked it up and i'd i i'd heard about leonard cohen now at this time i was still very much bob dylan fan and i thought that leonard cohen was another folk singer that's that was my understanding of, of, of who he is at the time and so I picked up this album um, and I took it over to the gentleman who was selling it and I put it in front of him and he looked at it uh, for quite a while and he then looked at me and I, I don't know if I've told you guys this story, but um, he looked at me and then he looked back at the album and then he started to hand it to me and he looked at me I used to listen to this album every day when I was in college and he was visibly emotional as he was handing over this album. So I asked him if he really wanted to sell it, just thinking that maybe it's too personal. He just wants to keep it. Well, he looked at me again and he kind of looked, sort of looked me up and down. Uh, and then he said, uh, I want you to have it. And he handed me the album and he didn't charge me for it. And the songs of Leonard Cohen sort of became a bit of a, a, a lifesaver for me at the time. I, I dove into it and I, I listened to it quite often during, during the period just after I bought it. And it really did kind of change my, it did kind of change my life. There were a few albums at that time that, that, that had that effect on me. Um, 
And but it, it, there's something very cosmic that happened that day, and I don't know what it was. There was some, there's some sort of transfer that happened, um, but it's a beautiful moment that I that I never forget. And on this occasion, you guys are lucky that I'm not weeping like a like a like a baby because I've told the story many times, and it often does bring back a lot of um, a lot of emotion for me. But that was the chance that I took, just based on album art, and for me, it it, it turned out to be quite the choice. So. Nice. Well, I think you were lucky to find a record seller that has recently read The Art of the Deal and knows how to be a smart businessman. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. you, you lucked out. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you talked about just taking that chance. And there's also the albums that, you know, you know the band, you know the music. We're talking about evolution of artists just a little while ago. And as as, as the sound evolves, it's, it's interesting to kind of watch these artists and how their their album art progresses. I mean, it kind of does tell a story. And I, I think, Derek, this is something that, that will absolutely hit home for you. Um, I think Miles Davis is a great example of that. Um, and, and, and I know that like for a time, I'm sure there was the there was kind of the the sort of traditional jazz album cover. I mean, Blue Note sort of had their look, right? And right. And, and and sort of and, you know, Columbia certainly had a look, you know, that was very prominent with the with the main musician and and you know and, and his instrument or her instrument. And then you have the listing of the you know of the lineup of, of who played on that album. That was very traditional kind of jazz presentation. Um, and as the music became more challenging, uh, certainly those cover, that cover art um, became more challenging. And, 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 and Miles Davis is certainly one of those people. Um, I have to tell you the truth, though, and I think I've told you guys this before, as a person in my early 20s, when I, when I really started getting into jazz, and I had a, I had a difficult time with uh, like fusion and avant-garde jazz, um, but more with fusion uh, jazz, sort of the the, the electric elements and the, and the rock elements that were incorporated with jazz. It's interesting that my mind also couldn't process this artwork that just, I think at the time, to me, it looked silly. It almost looked cartoonish. And so, I mean, Herbie Hancock's Headhunters, I mean, it is sort of like this sort of funny looking album cover. But as time has gone on, I certainly have processed those out that, that album art in a much different way and do see it as an evolution and do see it as progress. Um, Derek, is there a, is there a, is there a Miles Davis album cover from that, from that period, sort of that, that seventies um, and eighties that, that's, that stands out for you? Oh, uh, yeah, it was, it's funny cause it, it was on my list, but then I was just like, ah, eh. but bitches brew was kind of like, and that's probably like most people when I think of uh, Miles Davis, that's probably the most because it, it was it was definitely groundbreaking at that at that time to kind of come up with a very it wasn't the artist because like I said most times it was the artist and their instrument or something very kind of uh, pretty uh, like a, a female on the cover or something like that or a, a a vase of flowers or something very you know kind of mundane like that but the a bitches brew album was this. Uh, amazing and it kind of makes you want to um to pick it up and kind of yeah it, it kind of examine it um like you i had a hard time 
because there, Miles Davis is like the epitome of the jazz evolution, where he kind of started very traditionally, you know, did, did, did the, the bebop, did all these phases. And then even when he got to kind of the avant-garde stuff and the fusion stuff, it was such a huge departure uh, from what he had been doing. And the same thing was going on with, uh, with, with Coltrane and, and so many other uh, artists. They were evolving. And, and for me, Bitches Brew was initially a very hard listen. Just like John Coltrane's The Love Supreme was a very hard listen yeah. uh, for me. Um, I, remember buying, I remember buying a CD of Love Supreme because I had a ton of John Coltrane. I probably had 10 uh, pieces of music or albums by him. Bought a Love Supreme and then took it back <laughs> and then traded it in because it was, it was so different than what I was uh, used to hearing from him. And then I went back and I repurchased it uh, years later um, yeah. because, you know, I had changed. I, I, I was able, I was mature enough and of a certain mindset then that I could actually listen to it for what it was and appreciate it. Uh, but initially those are very tough uh, albums for me to get into. Yeah, they are. And I've, I've told a similar, a similar story that I had this, a similar reaction to, to Love Supreme, which surprises me now because now I listen to Love Supreme. And, you know, after listening to, to later Coltrane albums right. like Ascension and, and, um, and Interstellar Space, um, you know, Love Supreme is a lot easier to, to, to digest. But, it, it, but, but, but that said... Um, you know whether you've heard you know crazier music, just sort of a lack of um, a better term to use. Um, the a love supreme is still a challenging piece, and it, I think it, it's intentional. and And I think I'm using I'm using the word challenging in, in, in a different way than than we initially used it. And that's that there is so much in there. There's so much in that piece in that album that if you give yourself the proper amount of time with it, it should be challenging. I mean, it's somebody's, uh, you know, um, it's somebody's highest praise to a higher power that's, right. that's, that's, that's communicated through music. And if that's not challenging, then I don't think you're listening. Um, right. And I know that sounds pretentious, but it's, it's, yeah. Well, it's kind of like, it's sometimes we, um, we only approach music from, we very rarely approach music from the artist's experiences. We, we typically approach music from our own. Uh, and that segue is our experiences and our understanding. And they happen to be kind of palatable and kind of in line to what, how we're feeling and what we kind of expect music to be. Mm -hmm. But when you get into someone like uh, Coltrane, and, you know, Eric Dolph, and there's so many, uh, but I think particularly this happens in, in kind of the jazz world, uh, we're kind of like in, in a sense that these African-American artists were trying to kind of be uh, the, the kind of, uh, they didn't want to fit into a mold of what kind of white society wanted them to be, to play beautiful music for, for their uh, pleasure, not for the artist's pleasure, it was mostly for their pleasure. 
but then they're taking on this task of actually kind of tapping into their own mindset and their own ways of expression and modes of feeling or frustration or anger or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then you get this very different music, uh, which, you know, a lot of people aren't really willing to kind of sit down and understand it. Um, so. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that, that, that brings us back to the album artwork um, as well. <clears throat> We're talking about who, this um the, the, this this music appeal and perhaps uh, or who who it's intended to appeal to which i guess is you know the greatest sized audience that you can find and right. and and that, that maybe the artwork can suck them in and certainly for me when i was a kid i mean this is the second album i bought i i, I still I, I this is the the debate that goes on my head i still can't remember if i bought purple rain or if i bought madonna's first album um which one I bought first, which one I bought second. But anyway, I mean, this <laughs> was, and this is a horribly like this strange thing to say, but like for a 12 year old boy, like this was everything. And it wasn't just the music. It was the look. It was the, I mean, right. it, it was, it was this, it was the back of this album. I mean, I mean, Madonna certainly knew how to reach an audience or the people who were taking, who were, who chose the album artwork certainly knew how to, how to, how to grab their audience. I don't want to just put it down to being a 12 year old boy, although it certainly had a lot to do with me picking up the album. Right. Yeah. yeah. And there's nothing um, wrong with that. <laughs> it's natural. <laughs> you know, she's a beautiful woman. It's, it's a great chiaroscuro lighting, uh, black and white photography. Uh, you're a connoisseur of the female face uh yeah letters if i was a little bit older there's so much more i could have read into this like the fact that it's the o in madonna that is red i don't know if anybody's ever pointed oh. that out but so much going on here you know if i was 17 or 18 i would have understood these things but i was so naive i just you know what I think is is really funny is hold that album up to your uh, to your head right now. I know the audience listening can't hear or can't see this, but John's hair is very similar to Madonna's in this. If you dye, if you dyed your hair, you know, platinum blonde, it would be pretty close. Like you no, know, I've 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 been trying for well over thirty years to replicate <laughs> this look. Now when I throw some eyeliner on, it gets pretty damn close. Yeah, Get that boy thing shit yes. ton of bracelets. A shit ton of bracelets. That's right. That's a that's a good look. Yeah, this is a, it's it's such a it's it's such an iconic like '80s look as well because of the um, mm -hmm. what do you call these these bracelets that that you know the um, the kind of rubbery bracelets. Oh, jellies! I know the yeah, shoes were jelly called jellies. bracelets. Yeah. yeah, I think they're called jellies. Yeah, but. And it's a great. It, it it is a great album too. This is somebody that 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 I I don't know how much we've talked about, but um, like so many artists that you that you initially come to as you know a, a, a teenager or, or even younger, right? And it's usually because it's, it's it's very popular, and it's nice to have some time now in between a period of mania for some artists and becoming an adult and then picking up this piece of music again. And it really stands on its own merit as, as, as quality music. You're, you're not caught up 
in the you know in the conversation about who's popular and who's on MTV. It's more about like man, because I still I still pick this up and I'll play it from beginning to end, and it is a stellar album. Um, and if you're and if you just think of it as like Madonna, Madonna, then um, it could be a stale conversation. But yeah, listen to her. Listen to that first album. It's great. All the way through. All the way through. The Red O. The Red O. Man. I need need to drink it. I need a drink after that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, get some chunky milk. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I almost spit my dragon's milk all over the screen. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, don't do that. That stuff is very hard to get out of a dragon. Yeah. Hey, Josh. A lot of work. Hey, Josh, I want you to talk a little bit about one of your favorite bands. You're wearing their pin on your on your lapel there. Uh, Electric Light Orchestra, ELO. Jeff Lynn's ELO. Which one are we going to choose? Is it ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, Jeff Lynn's ELO? Uh, uh, I guess it depends if you're buying a concert ticket these days, but I think just, uh, <laughs> yeah, ELO. Electric we'll go with the ELO. Yes. So going all the way back. So their artwork, their logo, their visual presentation, much like some other bands of that era, like I mean, there are people who are who are who are sort of attracted to them initially just by kind of what they see and, and then there, there's there's curiosity with it. Now there was kind of this 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 theme that went on with the yellow for a time. The spaceship, right, and the uh, you know the yellow spaceship, and yeah, it's like a, lot. a record player medallion, like the light up thing turned into a spaceship. Yeah, yeah, and and honestly, I, I'll say that ELO should be bigger than they are in just you know everyone's musical knowledge, mm-hmm. and the reason they're not, and I firmly believe this, is because they were not good looking. And a lot of like that sort of spaceship stuff was really dorky, right? Especially if you put it in the context of like mid seventies, like arena rock, big stuff. And the blowback that was coming from that, you know, from the cool underground kids, uh, they kind of didn't do themselves a much of a service by sort of looking like a prog rock band. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. In their in their album covers, because they're so much more than prog. Like they're yeah. they're refined symphonic pop with a little bit of a boogie woogie and the Beatles thrown in. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it, it's such a, a interesting and unique blend of things that's supremely listenable. Uh, but yeah, they, they have some really cool album covers. I I mean, I'm such a fan of the '70s that I do like the spaceship you know, bullshit. <laughs> like yeah. I, to, I, I realize it's cheesy and, and, and corny, but you know, it's like the sort of the scarab metallic chrome scarab that journey had for a while, you know, like, yeah, uh, like, yeah. Any kind of chromed animal uh, flying in space <laughs> became a thing in the mid to late seventies. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and, and it's awesome, uh, but in a totally like cheesy way, but, they have uh, like my favorite album. One one of my favorite albums of all time is ELO's Time, and again, it's kind of that cheesy sci-fi look. But it's like a, I don't know, like a, a 
drop hitting what looks to be like a pile of foundation makeup uh and then it's like dripping you know the what we call like the 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 inverse reaction to dropping something in water the the drop that comes up out of the water and then it's the the earth and then it's like space in the background so it's like it looks like a fantasy novel for some like really trash b level fiction but the album is fantastic and it kind of adds in that cheesiness to it so it works with it, but it can also be a, an off-putting thing for people that are, you know, not willing to dive into the cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Spaceships were only cool if you were Parliament Funkadelic. They're the only ones who could get away with having spaceships right, all over. Right. Well, <laughs> another, another band that I really, um, I used to love their artwork, and I used to, it was almost I anticipated the artwork, the albums, uh, more than I did their music. Um, and that was uh, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. They always had oh, the, yeah. this Egyptology, and they had the Finks, and the, and the Pharaohs, and they had all this cool uh, artwork. Um, and then they, and they dressed the part, too. They all had these really kind of psychedelic kind of garb going on, and Afros, and it was this. And then, then, then their music is, is amazing. Um, but then, yeah, that was another one where I just, I, I would just get the art, the album and just kind of like look at all the different little things that I could pick out, mm-hmm. um, and on the album cover or, you yeah. know, so it was really, and, and you know, Maurice White, an amazing songwriter, uh, vocalist, uh, producer, arranger, all of it. Uh, he was he was like kind of the original prince because he was one of the guys when you looked at the album he he wrote produced arranged you know a lot of the music mm-hmm. so and then like, just like the prince albums they were they were pretty amazing especially some of the ones that that he did like later uh or when he stopped putting himself you know on the on the album but yeah. like sign of the times and like purple rain and uh you know well, not Purple Rain. Um, what, ha- what was the album after after Purple Rain? Was it Sign of the Times? Um, There's an album no. in between that, wasn't it? Was there an album um, in between? Uh, not Parade. Um, the one, yeah, the one that had the one that had a raspberry, a raspberry Beret. Yes, but what was yeah. that album? I can't yeah, remember what um, it was. Oh my god! Here we go. This is the theme of this is the theme of the episode. <laughs> right. I'm just gonna forget everything. We have so much music in our heads. We forget. <laughs> a if uh, only we had a computer that we carry around in our hands. Right. Yeah. Only. Gee, that's crazy. Uh, you know, you were t- you, you were talking about um, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire album covers, and it it, it got me thinking about um, the Ohio the, the Ohio players um, and their album covers. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them, but there's, I mean, there's a theme that runs through all of them, which is generally a, a, a naked woman, uh, or a very, uh, scantily clad woman, uh, that appears usually the top half of her body. Uh, and then you unfold the jacket. See, this is why vinyl's so amazing. This is because <laughs> the, the jackets just tell a story and then you unfold it and you get the rest of the, you get the rest of the art. Yeah. Around the world in a day. Around the world in a day. There you go. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, um, the the uh, the ELO album covers. I was I was you, you were talking about all the, the spaceship theme uh, stuff, and, the, and then it, it it brought to mind my favorite ELO album, which is mm-hmm. which is El Dorado, and it's interesting that in the middle of all of all of that, all of all of the, all of you know the spaceships and the and, and the sort of the craziness that ELO releases an album that you know it's just a photo lifted from. The Wizard of Oz, and I don't know the story behind this. I, I I don't know the story of why this image was used for the album cover. Do you, Josh, know why it was used? No idea. <laughs> no. Okay. No idea. All right. Uh. Yeah. No. I don't know. It's trying to think of some of the lyrics from the songs, but that that they tie into that but well are there lyrics that tie in to the to the movie or is 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 there a connection because i don't i don't recall i mean the album of course feels like a a concept album and it feels like there's a story that runs through it but it doesn't feel like the wizard of oz yeah i don't know maybe maybe you should play it during the wizard of oz and see if it lines up you know do a little dark side of the moon uh well I was going to say earlier, you had mentioned, you know, from the spaceships, Funkadelic, or no, Parliament, having their, uh, you know, spaceships and everything. But I actually have pulled up right now, one of the albums I wanted to mention of having a cool album cover was Funkadelic, Maggot Brain. Like, that is a cool album cover because it's like, you don't know what's going on. Like, is this like a slasher movie? Uh, (laughs) And like, it, it doesn't like, cause most funk, you know, kind of has that almost like cartoonish, like jazz fusion ish look to it. Like some sort of futury thing, you know, lots of glitter, you know, imagine like Bootsy Collins glasses as an album cover. Uh, but this one is just, you know, I don't know, is her head chopped off and she's on the ground? <laughs> is she buried? Like, I don't know what's going on. And like maggot brain sounds like it should be a metal album. Uh, and just the song itself, Maggot Brain, is just uh, a wild ride of guitar, and it like builds so slowly, and it's just a fucking cool song, you know. Yeah. And and if you play it for someone who's you know familiar with sort of the the concept of funkadelic, you wouldn't think that Maggot Brain is a funkadelic song, you know. It's like from where they started to where they are, that whole meme. Yeah. yeah. Well, I often I often feel like with with with, with funkadelic, and I don't know, like I'm I'm not familiar with uh, you know a lot of the history and a lot of the music there. There, I've, I've I've listened to a few albums, but I think like a lot of people, I I know the popular funkadelic songs. I certainly am familiar with a lot of the samples that have been pulled from funkadelic songs, but as a but as a body of work, I think that some people, like you just sort of alluded to, Josh, I think some people would be shocked. At what they're hearing if all they think about is the sampled funkadelic mm-hmm. um because there is some crazy shit in there uh and i mean that in the best possible way uh but um like our conversation about about jazz uh there's some challenging stuff in there too and i you know it's it's, it's, it's unfortunate that when you do have artists like that um who 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 sort of creatively present their art that way, uh, they're often seen as just being uh, crazy and not, um, not the geniuses that um, 
Yeah. No, they're probably both. They're probably crazy and a genius. Yeah. They don't think those things are mutually exclusive. Uh, No. A little little madness. A little madness goes a long way in the creative process. And drugs. I think that plays a part in it. Yeah. Or absolutely. Or alcohol at all, like Frank Zappa. Did he famously not do any? Was Straight edge. Frank Zappa? I mean, I know he was very, he was very, uh, his, his, his sort of like his, his, not his private, but like his, his sort of music and on stage, Frank Zappa, he also had that very sort of serious um, side, a very political side as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't have any Frank Zappa albums, like anything that I could pull the art from. I have a few CDs, but there's some work over over years over his mm-hmm. years as well yeah um i was trying to i pulled some albums here to sort of give me inspiration as this as this conversation went on there 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 is there is this album cover um Jornette coleman quartet uh this is our music and i think i've, I've, I've talked about it before i i love this album cover so much because of Ornette's face and Charlie Hayden's face, especially there's a defiance in it. Um, they're just kind of, you know, it doesn't, it, it looks like it's the, it's the shot the photographer didn't want to use. And one or several of them just said, no, no, that's, that's the one. I, I don't care that we're not all looking at the camera and um, just like the music, just like what Ornette was trying to do. Uh, this certainly wasn't, presented for your enjoyment and your entertainment it's simply this is who we are this is the music if you're with it that's great if not fuck off i mean that's what it feels like it really does um and i think that uh free jazz certainly uh expressed that sentiment in a very powerful way that resonated for many many years and decades to come and still hasn't properly been that story still has not properly been told. And one day, I hope it will, um, meaning the, 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 um, the influence that free jazz and avant-garde jazz has had on punk rock, and uh, especially punk rock, um, but a lot of rock forms, um, and certainly that, that artistic freedom that was expressed uh, with free jazz artists. Um, I think Lester Bangs is probably the closest that's come to really drawing that comparison in a in a in a great way. But one of these days, Ornette will will be given his due. Yeah, you know, one of the album covers that you know, speaking of punk rock and and jazz and its roots, <clears throat> one of the album covers that I love is uh, the band Refused, mm-hmm. uh, their album Shape of Punk to Come, because yeah. <laughs> it it looks like an old jazz record from the sixties, you know, like the uh-huh. color blocks and, you know, the font and everything that they use in there, uh, and, you know, the photos set into shapes and things like that. Um, and yet it's just like a, a hardcore album, you know, the, uh, it, it, that one was, uh, another really, sort of impactful band and albums to come out to really sort of open your eyes. Like they were making a statement, like the shape of punk to come. Mm -hmm. And they were like declaring that. And, you know, it started 
uh, I've heard a lot of like hardcore bands, newer hardcore bands, like referring to Refused and that album as like being a big influence, you know, and the way they sing and then like the inclusion of some like electronic breakdowns and how heavy it was, how political it was. And uh, yeah, just really cool album design and just a cool band, you know, yeah. like European uh, hipsters, you know, take it so, to a new level. So this is great. So I, I, I told Josh at the beginning, Derek, I, so I'm, um, I'm spending, uh, I'm doing for my local record store. I've been, I've been, I've been working in the record store recently, which has been incredible, a great opportunity to kind of understand how the record store works and, um, and, and what goes on. I, I, I kid you not, Josh, this, <laughs> this album, this refused album, um, we just, had it delivered today uh, to replenish our shelves, and and I and I took a look at it, and of course the the, the shape of punk to come is is a play on Ornette Coleman's the shape of jazz to come, but yeah, you're right. And when I saw it immediately, I thought it's a little bit like Eric Dolphy's out, um, out to lunch, and a little bit like uh, um, like Dave Brubeck mm-hmm. uh, time out. Yeah, it definitely has that look. That's really cool. Did you pick it up? No. Um, wow, well, you fucked so, up. No, 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 so, so, uh, no. Maybe I should. So the stuff that comes in today is the stuff that gets put on the shelves uh, on Friday. So oh, all, gotcha. the, all the new releases that come out. Like, I don't know if you guys got a chance to listen to uh, Felt, that, that, uh, that link that I sent you. It is... Uh, no, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to it and I got pulled away, but I'm, I'm going to revisit it. Um, so what what is I think we should um or is there any artist that you guys are looking forward to dropping new music that you know that's coming out anything that you guys uh know that's coming out that you're looking forward to grabbing wow. Well the Foo Fighters uh you know this proves I'm not like a super hipster I I'm a, I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan and uh <laughs> we talked through the story like maybe <laughs> last week of how uh, I lost a really hot girl I was dating because I stuck by the Foo Fighters. But they have a new album coming out, and they have a single called Shame. And it's it's a really different uh, approach than, than what the Foo Fighters had before. It's really drum heavy. It's a little bit dancey, uh, but not like a dance song. And... Um, it's very, it doesn't have a lot of changes throughout the song, if you know what I mean. Like, there's not like different movements. It's like a steady uh, drive that goes through it. And the first time I listened to it, you know, again, I'd been real busy at work. So I only had like two minutes and it's a four minute song. So I just like got through two minutes of it and I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I get it. Um, but then I forced myself to go back and listen to it again and watch the music video. Um, which again, music videos is playing into the visuals can really help a song or an album make sense and put you in or, that space. Or, or ruin it. <laughs> or, or ruin it, yeah. yeah. Have you ever heard like a Christopher song? Cross, he got right. ruined because he got shown. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember like, I remember songs being ruined because I, you know, like when you listen to a song, you kind of have this thing in your head. You have this kind of like this video montage in your head of what you think it, it it should look like. And then when you actually see the video, you're like, that's stupid. You know, <laughs> just, uh-huh. kind of ruins a song. I've had that happen to me uh, before. It's like, man, but uh, yeah, 
And I think that's why videos were so important uh, back in the day is that we, we, we totally identified with the music uh, through the video. And, yeah. And, yeah. and it was a, it was a, it's a fine line to kind of, because uh, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine aha take on me being anything other than what it is. <laughs> kind of like the oh. animated yeah, and, and you know it, it worked so perfectly, but I couldn't. It, it, and it's just, it's just, it's just so cool to see you know that kind of that kind of whoever thought of that was definitely thinking outside of the box because I think uh, before I think that particular video came out, no one had ever did that. Uh, yeah, and it worked. So well, you know, it, it took a, a perfectly fine pop song and made it an iconic '80s uh, yeah. pop song. You yeah. know. And I don't know if you've heard the, you know, version they put out in the last few years, but it's much slower uh, right, acoustic it, yeah. version. Oh, it's gorgeous. The great guy yeah. can still sing his ass off. Like it's, right. it's super nice. Um, yeah. And, you know, you know, again, like the, the album art and the music videos, the Hems, yeah, inserts, kind of things like that. Like it, it really shows how much, connection there is between visual art and you know audio art music uh, mm -hmm. and, and how those two can play together and you know I'm a painter uh, and visual artist and one of the things that really drove my style especially like in high school and, and first few years of college um, and it's a lot of mixed media uh, drawing on paper cutting that out gluing it to wood and then drizzling paint and like just just sort of an entire process of experimentation uh not knowing what i was going after but allowing my subconscious to sort of guide it so there's a little bit of dadaism uh inspired into there but one of the main drivers of me exploring this uh sort of technique and then just a sort of visual style was actually the music of beck like especially from the Odelay album, uh, like oh that that album, a really cool album cover with like a moppy looking dog jumping over a thing. So it's just like a seemingly you know just random photo pulled out of a stock photo pile from a dog show, and you just put Odelay on it, which is uh, you know really cool indie technique, kind of like what were you saying, like uh, Dead Can Dance, like just pulling something that you know is, taking that artwork out of context and putting it into a new context just gives it a whole right. new life. Um, mm -hmm. But listening to the, you know, the pastiche style of Beck at that time, like how he would mix genres and, and there were, there just seemed to be no barriers to what he sonically would put into a song. And then with his music videos for, well, and even the art within the album itself and the music videos, it was all about just experimenting, lo-fi, mixing lo-fi with hi-fi stuff, um, you know, in terms of like uh, painting styles and art styles. Right. Um, huge impact on me and like was a main driving force of my art style. <laughs> but you know what I think about, I, I, I watched Dave Grohl, it wasn't, it wasn't this uh, week, but they were on SNL, what, two weeks ago? And Dave's singing is definitely different on this album. He's definitely doing something uh, different with his voice. Um, 
which is interesting. Um, yeah. The album, uh, John, is there an album that you're looking forward to dropping? Oh, you know, uh, tomorrow, um, I don't know if, uh, well, I think we've talked about it before, but um, Nels Klein has a new album that's released tomorrow uh, under his his band name, uh, the Nels Klein Singers. It's called Share the Wealth. It's great. Um, Nels Klein is now releasing on Blue Note, which is incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's, right, since, right. It's, yeah, since, since the time that I've, I've been a fan of his, he's, you know, he's been in a lot of small very very small independent labels and of course now being the 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 guitarist in wilco it's i'm sure it's opened his opportunities but it's great to see somebody like nels klein um recording on blue nights blue note so i'm i'm very excited about that that release it's tomorrow cool cool yeah well josh you always bring something to the table to help us Sometimes get the conversation back on track, get us focused, get us centered, bring the theme back. It's yeah. usually some sort of list making opportunity as well. It helps Derek put together our, our amazing playlist that we have uh, that, we, that we're lucky enough to take part in after the, uh, the episode is wrapped. But what do you have this week, Josh? Uh, yeah, I don't know how much of this is actually going to help the playlist, but we've, uh, we've rambled uh, quite a bit. So I think we don't have any trouble with the playlist, but I was thinking it would be fun to really marry again, that visual style with our personal take on our brand. Right. So yeah. Derek, uh, you, you said that, you know, my painting would be your album art. Well, right. you're going to have to think of somebody else. Cause here's the game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have to think of an artist a visual artist and what would which artist would you choose to create the visuals for your self-titled solo debut album living or dead living or dead cool I, anyone and it doesn't have to be a traditional visual artist right so you could say uh you know that that elephant that paints with its own shit um uh, I think I may have just made that. <laughs> uh, I'm ready to choose. Yeah. So you, you choose that person. And then uh, what, if any art direction would you give them? So they just nail your vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Oh, wow. Well, I know the artists, I'm just trying to think of the direction that they would go in uh, their inspiration. The artists would be, um, this artist who's one of my favorite artists right now, uh, who's creating just amazing art. Her name is Teresa Cromati. And if you want to check out her stuff real quick, it's pretty amazing. Um, and I think the direction, uh, direction, um, hmm. maybe the, uh, Post-Trump era. <laughs> that, a... <laughs> that's the direction. I don't know where we're going. It's a big unknown as to where we go from here. Like, what is what is what is America going to look like uh, post-Trump? Uh, are we going to become more divided? Are we going to are we going to come together? Are we going to 
is going to go, are we going to be taken over by China? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. I, there's a lot of uh, unknown. So I guess it would be kind of the unknown kind of her, her, her painting is kind of a, kind of a little a bit out there. Uh, a lot of uh, people say that um, she's a kind of cross between uh, like Picasso and Dolly and uh, Jean Michael. Uh, I always get his last name wrong. Um, Basquiat. Ma Mas yeah, that guy. That guy. But if you check out her, her art, is really, really, really cool, really surreal. Um, but lots of color, which I really like. But she's uh, kind of skyrocketed over the last couple of years. So uh, yeah, how, how do you how do you spell her last name? Is it Chromati? Chromati, like Chrome, C H R O M A T I, Teresa Chromati. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Super cool. Very colorful. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, John? Well, my... I have a, I have a, very, I have a very limited knowledge of, of, of art history. Um, I certainly know what appeals to me um, when I see it. There's just something I get. My, one of my favorite... Um, art pieces or my favorite art piece I have a, a replica, replica hanging here is, is Arthur Dove's The Silver Sun or Silver Sun. I don't know if that's, it's a beautiful painting, but that's not who I would choose. Um, I, would, I, I, would choose I would choose Mark Chagall. Um, Mark Chagall is somebody that I've always, um, and, and, and see, th th this is where I don't know enough about art history. I don't know his sort of phases or anything. What I do know is that there's something about the way that visually he um, he presents like emotion, like love, uh, in sort of this this sort of fa fantastical way. You know, a, a lot of times you know the subjects are are floating or they're mm. they're sort of they're sort of above a scene, and there there there's something beautiful about it. There's there's movement in it, um, but it's not overly done. There's nothing that that, that, that there's there's sort of a, a simplicity and he lets that, 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 that fluidity, that movement kind of, kind of dictate the feeling in the, um, in, in the art. And there's something about it that, that has always grabbed me visually. And I, I would, I would, I would love to be able to sit down with him and just have a several hours conversation and then see how he's able to, you know, sort of marry that, that, that 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 visual and the movement uh based on what he believes sort of about my emotional state and what i'm trying to convey and certainly i would love to somehow get through um to him the complexity that are or that can be my emotional state um <laughs> and i would just love to see how that plays out in a piece of art and i think that from from what i've seen he's probably the closest that I've ever come to feeling what he, I'm seeing in his, in, in, in his pieces in, in his art. So Mark yeah. Chagall. No, I, you know, that I wouldn't have chose 
Mark Chagall as, as uh, representing you, but hearing you talking about it and, you know, looking at, uh, at his pieces and, and, you know, sort of flexing my art history minor, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, th- I think the, the very grabbing thing about Mark Chagall stuff is what you were saying, the almost like whimsical drawing quality of it, right? Mm. The, uh, coming out of impressionism where it was all about painting light and really sort of capturing what you feel when you look at something, but your perspectives are generally correct and mm-hmm. it, it looks like the real thing. Whereas Chagall was moving more towards into like, uh, you know, a modernistic kind of, yeah, yeah. It's a little, uh, you know, some of it is, is quite abstract, but it's still representational. But mm-hmm. there's also like a whimsical quality where it looks like a really talented 11-year-old mm-hmm. uh, was trying to do a Picasso piece. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like th- there's sort of that lo-fi quality about it because it's not about photorealism at any aspect, but it's these bold color choices and the the fact that the perspective is just all wrong. So if you're looking at it like like a stool, uh, the the top of a stool is flat and then the table is angled, but yet they're next to each other. So there's, there's, there's no real, uh, you know, uh, physics in the perspective of what's on there. And that makes it feel more dreamlike and making Mm -hmm. it feel more open to interpretation uh and and just more uh i don't, don't want to say relatable but more uh i guess more more personal in a way yeah. like everyone yeah. looking at it will get right. their own interpretation of what's happening based on mm-hmm. their psychology yeah i always when i look at chagall i always it's almost it's almost dreamlike it's kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like these floating images. It's kind of like really colorful and kind of things don't, it's kind of disjointed. So it's like almost like having a kind of a, a really kind of dreamy, kind of fantastical, you know, in, induced kind of state. It's, 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 uh, and it's, it's happy. It, it, to me, I look at Chagall and it makes me happy because it makes me happy and it makes me kind of like, joyful because they you know these images are just kind of like dreamy like they're kind of cartoonish um uh they're bright they're colorful and it just it makes you want to just kind of like look at them more and kind of see what you can see in them um unlike some paintings that are kind of like kind of static and there is a lot of movement because it's kind of like almost like a cloud-like aspect mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to his uh his artwork which kind of suggests movement and kind of uh, this kind of the possibility of anything. It's very yeah. optimistic, you know. Yeah, it it, yeah. it, it definitely it, it helps it helps retain a bit of innocence. I I love that you guys were saying um, both of you in different ways that um, that some of it just doesn't look right. Like it just seems out of place, and some of the, some of the shapes and and the positioning, and I love that kind of innocence, and and I think that 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 does reflect me. I mean, I'm a I'm a huge like Calvin and Hobbes fan, and 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 mm-hmm. there 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 is there is beauty in retaining some of that whimsical innocence, and there and there is something behind it. There's something um, more emotionally complex than I think people 
sometimes allow themselves to understand or admit that there's complexity in that innocence. They often think of it as just being, or they'll just dismiss it as being silly. Um, but I, yeah, and and I'm glad you guys caught that because that's 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 kind of that that's a big reason that the Chagall that the Chagall does appeal to me. Yeah, and what's interesting is when I look at Chagall, I actually get sad. Mm. Like to me, the compositions and just sort of the cloudiness to it, and the colors and just the there's there's a lot of converging and dissecting lines in the composition. So there's not necessarily like a single. Uh, strong focal point like mm. your eye is forced to wander based on on how yeah. he composes these things um, and to me when I'm looking at it maybe this is just a reflection of my childhood but I feel lost and nostalgic at the same time it's like mm. I'm searching for something I'm searching for that idyllic world that is so close uh, the colors are there. The happiness should be there, but it's not coming together. It's not coalescing for me. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's what I get out of it. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's what is so brilliant about, especially like the modernists and, and abstract art that, you know, it's kind of like jazz where the more you learn about it, the more you can appreciate it. Mm -hmm. uh, and not saying that, you know, you have to learn about it to appreciate it, but you just get, um, I guess more of an understanding of the context of when it was happening and mm -hmm. sort of intentionality about what someone is doing that looks like it's not as skilled as say, uh, you know, a Da Vinci or, or Michelangelo, but it's choosing not to pursue that skill and that craft and that accuracy is an intentional choice because you're going for emotion and, and ambiguity that allows it gives more flexibility to the viewer mm -hmm. to interpret it for themselves yeah. and and it's funny because like i see a lot of the same like music that you keep going back to uh it, it kind of evokes that as well like, absolutely you know you guys liking um this mortal coral coil you know is a very like ethereal kind of haunting music that for me is honestly like a little bit hard to get into. Like I'm, I'm, it's, it's a challenging piece for me, you know, and, but it's not that I don't like it. It's just, uh, I need to feel comforted by music. I, I, I need to have a little bit more fun. And so it's like, I have to be in a very special mood to listen to that. Uh, so yeah, it's super interesting that. Well, I think for me, uh, for me, uh, and I think that's why I like even jazz. I think there's there's a through line between jazz, uh, this mortal coil, that type of you know uh, that kind of, that type of. It's all meditative for me. It it, mm -hmm. it, 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 it it makes me when I'm in that when I'm listening to music like that. When I'm listening to jazz. Jazz to me is is, is one of the first things uh, that I think about uh, jazz is that it's it's thought provoking. Mm -hmm. uh, unlike, you know, a lot of other music, which is kind of like it, once you listen to it and then it's over and then a lot of music to me doesn't linger like jazz does. Mm -hmm. Jazz to me, it, it, it lingers with you and, and you kind of, when you're listening to jazz, you're contemplative. I mean, you're, you're thinking about uh, things that you probably, you know, and you can go 
all kinds of places. And I think that's, you know, when you, when there's a through line to pieces like a Chagall and Teresa Cromati, uh, they, it's, 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 it's kind of not where we're at now, but it's kind of hopeful as to where we kind of will be and the possibilities for the future. There's, there's Gaudi, the architecture, there's, uh, there's Frank Gehry, these, all these people that I like, and I think that they kind of push the envelope and they kind of uh, show you what's, what's possible and it kind of catapults us to that next evolution of art, music, film, uh, everything. Um, mm-hmm. So that's my take. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Josh, you're up. I'm up. Okay. Uh, so this is a hard one because I am very much into art and depending on my mood, uh, I have a million favorite artists out there and I'm just, I just want to give a quick shout out to a guy that, um, is fantastic as an artist that is also a very big music fan. And he's doing a series where he reinterprets album covers um, and just almost does like, I wouldn't call it a parody, but it's uh, just a different take on it. So like, say for like Fleetwood Mac rumors, very famous album cover, right? You know what it is when you see it. It's almost like, uh, it's like a sight word. You don't actually have to read it. You just know what it is, right? So he will recreate Fleetwood Mac's rumors, but totally change it. But if you just glance at it, you see it as rumors, right? And so it's like a lot of sense of humor goes into it. Just, just weird stuff. But his name is Eric White. Um, He's a modern painter. I, I guess a, a way to describe it would be photorealism, but I, I don't think he's at, he, he doesn't try to make it absolutely photorealistic, but that'll just give you an idea of what it looks like. It look, it, you could look at it and think some of his stuff is a picture, but he will play with uh, different colors and like some of his paintings look like a negative Right. So it's like the colors are inverted. Uh, and then if you actually like flip the colors in Photoshop, uh, it's the exact right colors, but the painting is in negative. So cool things like that combines a lot of iconic imagery. He does a lot of stuff with cars, uh, like in his paintings, like especially like he's from Detroit originally. Uh, mm-hmm. so like, you know, there'll be a bunch of seventies cars like dropped in. He's a big fan of cinema. Uh, he does, he has a great painting, uh, on Charles Mingus. Uh, so I know you guys hmm. would think that, but he, uh, he did a recent album color cover for Tyler, the creator. Um, you see, I, I forget the name of the album, but flower it's like, boy, flower boy. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, he's great, but I wouldn't choose him because Tyler <laughs> already did. Uh, oh, I just but, saw the Mingus one though. It's sick, right? Like, yeah, my God. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, uh, he's an incredible talent. Uh, the artist that I would choose is a guy named Christian Rex Van Minen. Uh, he, on Instagram, he's at van underscore Minen, M I N N E N. Modern painter. Absolutely brilliant technical uh, techniques with his painting um, 
which which I can appreciate because I've tried to get good at technique and you know sometimes do okay but I don't have the patience for it. But what I love about him is he has all this classical training, this technique of doing still lives, and he adds in something completely unexpected to it. Um, So for example, he will paint what looks to be sort of the shape of a human face, but it has no eyes, no nose, just lumps of skin. And then on top of that, it's like really shitty prison tattoos of like dicks and stuff or it'll say like fuck mom uh like across its forehead but it looks like it's tattooed on this weird hunk of skin and then these floating jelly orbs that are translucent and then the background looks like it's marble right so it's just this wild mix of imagery but it's the skill of laying it down for in a photorealistic way for things that don't actually exist um, so it's, it's like, it's like surrealism on steroids. Um, and it's just fun and, and just weird and it's got a sense of humor to it. Um, super interesting. The only art direction I would have is the tattoos on the lumps of skin. Uh, I would want at least two different, uh, cars, in there i would want a 70s van and a 1979 thunderbird to be mixed in there somewhere that's it just because those are my two favorite cars that i've ever owned uh but yeah really weird and a sense of humor Mm -hmm. that is josh hicks it is me (laughs) and highly skilled highly skilled (laughs) and vans yeah oh derek i don't know if i told you but um john knows this but i did buy another van uh oh sweet a couple weeks ago yeah i got an 85 dodge i'm gonna turn it into like a a pre-runner like desert van that'll be good for camping and stuff yeah so i'll keep it posted all right you gotta stay before i road trip you gotta you gotta come pick me up and we gotta drive out to montana yeah we'll build a bed in the back I mean, for like alternating driving, so I can sleep. You can drive. No, no hanky panky there, Derek. You're married. Uh, oh man! But yeah, uh, yeah. So this has been a great conversation, and I, um, you know, when we started this podcast, we we're you know we, we we talked a lot about how really our motivation is to, you know. It's not so much like recommend pieces of music or, or, or to get you to listen to anything to to get our listeners listeners to listen to anything specifically. It's to, it's really to just inspire you to discover, and there are so many ways that you can discover music. It's you know there's of course word of mouth or hearing a song on a radio or or you know just being someplace and hearing a music uh, hearing a piece of music, but you know through artwork through um, through just visual presentation. Um, it, it, that's another great pathway into music. And if there's any message that we keep trying to hit home, it's keep your eyes and ears open, um, be open to that discovery. And like we've all learned, um, and we talked about tonight, especially with jazz, uh, you know, if at first it doesn't grab you, you know, you may, it may be something that you need to come back to. 
Um, and certainly with the visual um, presentation, if it's something that hits you and you're curious, just check it out. Um, and uh, it may be your pathway like it was for me, you know, with, with, uh, with Leonard Cohen, uh, it could be your pathway into something absolutely life-changing. So guys, I appreciate it. This was a great conversation. Uh, we definitely have to, we have to, we definitely have to think of, of, of different ways to have the same conversation, which is, you know, finding a pathway into music that isn't sort of that traditional, uh, the traditional way uh, that people might think. Um, like we said, we're, we're looking forward to, to, to many more conversations. We were talking about um, maybe next time talking about some, some producers and, 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 and get into that. But uh, this is, this has been great. Hopefully we'll have, some uh, some more guests up soon and we're trying to line that up um, and we hope you guys can be a part of that conversation we will we will do better at um, at engaging you before our uh, our recording so that um, you guys can join in as well um, and we hope you're enjoying this and we hope that you're getting out there and listening to the playlist after and discovering on your own um, thanks guys be well and we will talk to you soon